So back-to-back weekend work, huh, David? Yeah, love 60-hour work weeks for sure. Oofta, dude. That sucks. Yeah, hopefully I'm done because I don't want to do it again. Yeah. No word on next Saturday yet or you won't know until like Monday or Tuesday, huh? Yeah, I'm not going to know till tomorrow, but hopefully mm. the worst case is we just work 50 hours. Yeah. This week cuz I can do that. That's fine, but Yeah. Yeah, six, 60 hours. I need more than a day to recover. Yeah. No. I I completely understand that. Yeah, between that and the cold snap that we had this whole entire week, the frigid winds and then a little bit of snow on Thursday to Friday it definitely made it a rough week for you. True, yeah, because what, Nevada and California got like record lows yeah, this week. Like it got down to the teens in Vegas and it was in the 20s or 30s in Southern California, so it definitely hit everywhere. Yeah, it sucks for them. Definitely. We're used to it up here. Especially from our guests as well, because they're even farther north than us. True. True, true. All right, let's get this party started. Okie. What's marking on the shadows? Around your corner. Or under. Your bed. This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. This podcast represents the views and opinions of David and Shane and their guests to the show. The views and opinions are for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique to their experiences, knowledge, and research, Any and all opinions expressed does not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of any Bear River Paranormal group member, nor any member of the paranormal community as a whole. Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to us. My name is Shane. And I'm David. And on today's episode of the BRP Podcast, we have a couple of guests. And you heard me correctly, we have two guests on this podcast. First time having more than three people. So it's definitely going to be a fun time. Um, Don't have any updates for you guys. Just make sure you check out our merch store. I'm trying to come up with some more brilliant ideas on some shirt designs. And I'm going to get those added up on there as well. And if you haven't uh, listened to or seen the post from the last couple episodes of the BRB podcast, we definitely recommend that you go check out our group page. The link is in the description of this podcast. And we also post all over Facebook as well. So definitely go and check that out. Any updates with you, David? I bought a hot tub. Nice. And it was the one that you were looking at, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. That's awesome. And you got the dividers with it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm building, like, I got a whole enclosure area going on. 
that's going to be like a wall dividers and a roof uh, above it. And then next to it, I got like a fireplace and then some chairs. It's going to be a nice hangout spot. Yeah, that would be awesome. And you're putting your fire pit down there and everything too, right? Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm excited for you to get that done. Definitely a hot tub party at your house. That's right. Everyone's invited. Yeah. So for this episode of the BRB podcast, we're going to have two guests. In the previous episodes, we've talked about a project that we've been working on with these two particular individuals. And in fact, we've actually met up with them, I'd say, what, back in November, December, David, right? And we did some uh, uh, one-on-one interviews and everything like that. Yeah, I think it was in November. I'm pretty sure Yeah. Yeah, we went and checked out uh, quite a few cool places while we were up there as well. Did some Actually, thrift store shopping, picked up a haunted object, you know, stuff like that. It could have been December because I don't remember if the uh, Vegas paranormal thing was done yet or not. Okay, okay. Yeah, it could have been December. I can't remember if it was November or December, but it was around that time when we met up with them and everything. Yeah, who knows on that one? I don't remember. Yeah, the backdrop for the interviews is pretty spot on to be honest with you with that burned up backdrop that they did that's pretty awesome it was pretty dope but without giving any more information on what exactly we're working on let me bring on our guests now like i said on the last episode these two individuals are wildly different when it comes to their age group and their backgrounds and everything but we've all come together as a whole as a happy family you know working on this project So real quickly, let me introduce you Storm. Now, Storm does a lot of our audio and video and stuff like that. Storm, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. And the next individual that I'm going to be bringing on, he is the mastermind behind all of this. He was the one that approached David and I like three or four years ago and shot this idea over to us. And we definitely agreed to it because, quite frankly... It could be a viable option in the paranormal field. Now, everybody, give a warm welcome to Dan. Shane, David, Storm, hello, everybody. Lunatic in charge, reporting in. (laughs) Right on. That's Dan. All right. So now that we have Storm and Dan on the podcast, now let's start with Storm real quick. Now... If I remember correctly, I think you're around, you, I think you're younger than David. Am I correct? Yeah, I'm 24. Yeah, and David's like, well, how old are you, David? Uh, I'm, t- I'm 24. Oh, you guys are the same age. Nice. <laughs> and Dan, you know, Dan could definitely be my father, but he's definitely an awesome individual. He is the yeah. oldest one out of all of us, and I'm right there in the middle. Where's your cane, Dan? I'm not saying I'm old, <laughs> but I have tattoos older than you guys. Yeah, that's, well, that's fair. Yeah, that is definitely fair. Now, Storm. Yes, sir. When Dan approached you, because Dan, we're gonna we're gonna talk to you here in a little bit. Now, Storm, when Dan approached you about this project that he was thinking about doing, what were your thoughts on it? So, when Dan approached me, I was pretty much doing video almost full time is one of the things I was doing the uh, majority of my time. And he approached me, we had talked kind of, he had kind of shot me an idea maybe a year before we actually sat down. And then when I had moved back from Pocatello, we went to uh, lunch 
and you kind of shot me the idea and i i was i was fascinated in it for sure i was kind of trying to figure i was at the at the time i was getting ready to start a new job and so we were kind of trying to figure out when we could do it and how we would approach something like that i hadn't done anything um, as episodic as kind of the approach we've done for this mm-hmm. so we kind of just kind of talked about how we'd want to do it if we wanted to do just one big almost documentary style shoot if you wanted to do episodes and but I was definitely intrigued from the get-go is uh, very unfamiliar to me and very unique as uh, compared to all the other stuff I was shooting which was mostly weddings at the time and uh, mm-hmm. I had done one documentary um, but yeah it was it was new so I was definitely interested okay okay now I know when Dan approached David and I and floated the idea towards us you know, there was already one particular show on a major network that was kind of doing kind of the same thing, but they were doing it with like banjos and guitars and everything like that. And when Dan approached us about it, it definitely piqued our interest because there is frequencies when it comes to music. And it has been tested in the past that spirits do interact differently to music when it's being played and everything. Now, Dan, what made you think of doing this particular type of investigation well i i kind of affectionately refer to the shows we've shot as death and metal and the elevator pitch basically is a rock band teams up with ghost hunters at a haunted location to play live for the dead and i guess you could say the genesis behind it there's a couple different paths you could take but um one of them is uh, i think music just you know when you have a song that resonates with you it 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 affects you on on different levels uh emotionally spiritually and so my thought was you know what would happen if we play songs that maybe i i feel you know or or um inspiring or moving and if we, if we did it at uh, haunted locations what would the reaction be and and kind of the idea of how I came up with that it's it's a long drawn-out process I'll try to I'll try to make it as concise as possible oh take a, your time Dan take your time how long we got a couple hours oh yeah we got, we got as long as you need bud exactly <laughs> all right this all right this I'll, be I'll a part two I'll break it down a little bit. So, how it started, um, maybe how this was all, you know, created in my warped mind. Um, back in the 90s, um, I was playing in a thrash, hard, hardcore thrash speed metal band in, in Hollywood, California called Speed Demons. And we had one song in particular. It was called Death March. And... <sighs> It was a different song, just in the cadence. It started off really slow, with like a militant march on the snare, and then it picked up speed, it picked up tempo, and then it brought it back down a little slower towards the end. And I noticed when we played it, people would just have this odd look on their face. I mean, not the normal, A, I liked it, A, I didn't like it, you know, whatever. It was just, they were kind of speechless. And I went, hmm. well, that's weird. It's just, it just reacted them. You know, they had a reaction to it that was was out of the ordinary. Hmm. 
So if we fast forward to oh, when, when the ghost shows were kind of becoming popular, and, and I'll back this up a little bit too. When I was in Hollywood, I worked in, uh, in, in, in the television business a little bit at uh, different television studios. So I have a background in, in television, in the movie industry, behind the scenes, you know, just uh, as a gaffer or, you know, on sets, props, that kind of stuff. I worked at a television studios down on Sunset and Gower that, oh, they did movies, they did commercials, we did Jeopardy, we did the Dennis Miller show when he had a talk show. I mean, so I, I have a background in television. And uh, so if we fast forward um, to when the ghost hunting shows, as I like to call them, I know you guys prefer paranormal investigators, but I just call it ghost hunters. Yeah, well, that's basically what they were called. I mean, it was ghost hunters and then ghost hunters international. And then before those two teams were uh, popular on TV, there was, you know, smaller television shows, you know, like the more documentary style. So if we go to one of the popular ones, and, and I'm probably going to get the name wrong, but it was the one that Ryan Buell, um, I want to say Paranormal Investigators, Paranormal. Do you remember that one, David? Because I know Ryan Buell. I can't remember. Which yeah, one it's because um, uh, he, he did his uh, uh, Paranormal State. Paranormal State, yeah. Paranormal yep. State, yep, that's it. It was a popular one. Um, I was watching it quite a bit. And they had an episode where where they did something like they played, you know, an acoustic guitar or something, and and it just kind of hit me as a flash. All of a sudden, I I uh, I remembered how our song "Death March" used to affect people, and I just had kind of an inspiration attack. Mm-hmm. And I went, man, what would happen if we kind of geared that up a little bit and played, you know, hard, heavy hitting or you know, just songs that kind of move people um, that fit with the setting. And I went, you know, I wonder how it would work out. So I, that's kind of where it all started. Okay, okay. Well, and I I was very intrigued when you came up and you talked to me about it. And once we started diving into the nitty-gritty details of it, it definitely made a lot of sense. And to be quite honest with you, um, we've had a lot of fun on the three or four videos that, um, uh, sets that we shot and everything like that. And the, the, the methodology behind it definitely makes sense. Now, going back to when you were living in California and everything, I didn't even know that you even had a background and all of that. So that's actually good to know. Cause I didn't even have a clue and I don't think David even knew either. I'm learning about Dan for the first time today, honestly. Yeah. It's like peeling an onion. That's Very right. much so. It's Every layer onion. tells a story. Big onion. <laughs> With many tears, right? Oh, yeah. Lots of tears along the way. And, and just for the record, Shane said there would be no video. Not that I don't trust him completely, but I am wearing pants. Oh, okay. Well, that's good, because I'm wearing pants as well. That's not the only thing I am wearing. We're supposed to be wearing pants? Well, shit, I don't think we sent the memo over to him. Damn. My bad. Storm, he's kind of off in the distance. I don't know exactly what he's doing. I'm just listening. I don't want to interrupt you. I'm just kind of <laughs> taking it all in. I know, I know uh, Storm was fully dressed because uh, he said he was heading to his house when, when yeah, I sent I him the I link. Didn't, I, didn't get, I didn't get time to take my pants off. 
Well, well you got time least, now, bud. Well, at least now we got one fully clothed person. It's a good thing there is no video to this. <laughs> I'm, work, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm not taking Sorry. any chances. Exactly. Now, uh, Dan, there's some also interesting things about you and your background. Now, you have a love for cars and restoration. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I like cars, guitars, choppers, hot rods, uh, rock and roll. They kind of all blend together. It really does. And where you came from, Southern California, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, Idaho base. I mean, I grew up in Idaho, born in uh, SLC, Utah, but uh, spent most of my life in Idaho. Went to Los Angeles five, six years. Um, it, pursuing the music industry, like I said, I was, um, you know, in, in a thrash metal band. So mm -hmm. when I was in LA, I didn't do as much of the car stuff. Um, you know, was just focus on other things. Back up here in in Idaho, as uh, most people know that are from this area, it's pretty easy to get property with a little bit of you know space acreage, and you can build a shop and mm -hmm. and you can collect cars in a hurry. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just. I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Nice. And I know up there in Idaho, there's plenty of junkyards and there's a lot of different people that actually like to restore uh, vehicles and they like to ride bikes and everything like that. And I would you say that where you're located is kind of like the Mecca? Because there's, there's quite a few junkyards in your guys' area and there's two of them in particular that are like pretty big. Was it that, uh, that Gooding one, right? Yeah, there's one in Gooding as well. That's like biggest one i've ever seen of like just old cars yeah yeah my wife would say there's a junkyard on my property so <laughs> yeah and, and it was uh it was through bikes uh through choppers that i met storm actually his dad's a, a avid enthusiast of uh of bikes and choppers and uh and so norm knowing storm's uh dad over the years is is actually how i met storm oh that's awesome so it comes full circle. So it comes sure. with bikes and cars between you and Storm, and then it evolved into filming with us and the paranormal. Yeah, and, and my my dad also knows knows uh, Dan's dad pretty well as well. So it's big happy family. Nice. Everyone knows everybody around here. Exactly. Now, Storm. With your background and doing like uh, photo shoots and video for like weddings and everything like that and some documentaries, what was your methodology on the type of editing that you wanted to do with the project and the way that you want to display it out to the world? So kind of, I guess my method behind it was um, when, when Dan first met with me, um, I kind of started, I didn't even really do, you know, I'd watched my fair share of paranormal investigation shows, you know, here and there as a, when I was younger and at, at my grandma's house and my cousins, you know, just, but I, I wanted to kind of make it, make it something a little fresher than, um, what I had seen in the, in the industry. Um, I kind of, I guess my approach really with even the way we storyboarded it, even the way that I have, uh, my buddy kind of working on, that's working on the interviews right now is something kind of mixed with like a, uh, I don't know, kind of a, a vlog styled, um, a vlog styled episode with more more sharp edits. More, you know, mm. it has the the TV the TV side of like the effects, and you know, it feels like you're watching a, a TV show with you know the title screens and like the way it's set up. But just 
seems like it's kind of uh, quick, as quick paced as more of like a YouTube style than a blog. Yeah. So that was my kind of approach to this, just, you know, as a, I wanted, you know, cool effects, cool title screens that kind of encompass the idea and the, the theme behind the, uh, the whole show. Mm -hmm. um, but really it was just kind of, it's, it's kind of been learning on the go, you know, uh, the unfortunate, okay. unfortunately, like when Dan first came to me, I was re you know, really busy. We were just doing weddings, me and Juan that you guys met on the first shoot, mm -hmm. uh, had our own production company. We're doing. I mean, ton, tons of weddings, tons of like uh, live events, quinceaneras, and uh, started doing some more commercial stuff. And I, when we started our company, knew that that wasn't the area I wanted to be in forever. I wanted to work my way as soon as possible into like short films and more, more uh, stuff like that. Even the commercials I wanted to do, I wanted to have more meaning and just kind of go into more narrative driven stuff. And so that's that's eventually what kind of split us up and we still work together like I said he's kind of helping me out um, storing the interview stuff and kind of going through them for me but uh, while I'm kind of busy but uh, when we started shooting I had stopped I was just about to quit um, I was coming up on my last season of wedding filmmaking and so I was really uh, getting ready to kind of just start doing passion projects like this you know and helping out with more narrative driven stuff and then then when I was getting ready to work on my first short film, COVID hit and shut down one of the companies that I was going to rent my cinema gear from and kind of put that on a halt and then kind of put editing on this on a halt with, with work. And then it's just mm -hmm. kind of, it's been kind of a long process, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's been really kind of shoot, like learn on the, learn on the move with this, you know, it's all new. Uh, mm -hmm. The style of shooting that we've done is, is new and um, it's definitely, I think that'll be, I think people will kind of see a um, progression as the episodes go, just from kind of figuring out. I mean, we've used some different gear on the episodes, even uh, when we went to the second two shoots. You know, we used some of uh, Dan's brother-in-law's gear, and mm -hmm. so it's just kind of. I think we're all kind of learning like how to work as a dynamic and how to uh, make something that uh, represents all of us. And I think by when it's all said and done, I think it'll be a good, a good representation of this motley crew that we've got yeah, most definitely now a little bit of your background now i know you're big into like mma boxing type stuff can you uh explain a little bit exactly what you do outside of filming and all that good jazz yeah absolutely so um the main thing that keeps me busy right now is uh me and my family own a non-profit boxing gym um i competed in boxing for about 10 years from the time i was about 10 to probably eight years till I was 18 and um, you know fighting almost every weekend of my life you know traveling around the Northwest and around Idaho and Utah up to Washington and um, my family you know when we trained we had a smaller gym uh, with our original coaches and mm -hmm. we always my dad always kind of had the idea of wanting to do something bigger that would help kids that couldn't afford it mm -hmm. um, like at-risk youth and kids that really needed an outlet like that and so in 2016, we started the Fighters Chance Foundation, nonprofit organization. And in 2017, we uh, bought our building that we uh, shot the interviews at and started our gym. And throughout those, throughout the five years that we've been there, we've seen, I mean, hundreds of kids come through. We've seen, you know, kids change their life around, even if they were just there for a season. You know? And so uh, mainly what I do, I, I run, I'm the head boxing coach for our USA Boxing competitive team. Um, I'm o and I'm over enrollment, so I kind of work the wait list and work tryouts and kind of try to work kids in as other kids go and 
keep us full. Um, and then I also, I do the striking for a lot of our MMA guys. Um, that a lot of them are kids that I grew up training with. Um, so really, yeah, that's, that's what keeps me busy, man. That's what I do. Okay. Really not 90% of the time outside of work. And, mm-hmm. Okay. And are you, is that organization still open? Can people go and donate or anything like that to you guys? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, fight. Yeah. So we are, we're on the Rupert square in Idaho. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at fighters chance boxing, uh, for donations or info. Um, and they, like I said, we are, we are a nonprofit. Um, so everything's ran off donations are free from ages eight to 18. Um, and that we've got a lot of cool stuff on the way, man. I mean, we're uh, right now we're working on getting a grappling program started for uh, for the youth, and uh, eventually, I hope within the next year, to start doing some more full time, like open schedule gym stuff. You know, memberships mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of different different trainers of different programs coming in, doing seminar based stuff. You know, yoga classes, uh, cardio classes, stuff like that. So, okay. But, well, we'll definitely we'll include those links in the dis- in the description of this podcast, and we'll also put it on Facebook as well, so that way you guys can go check it out and donate everything because it's a very cool uh, nonprofit organization that these guys do, and it definitely helps out the youth. It keeps them out of trouble, it keeps them fit, it keeps their heads level. So we definitely recommend that as well. Now, <clears throat> with uh, the interview processes that we did a few months ago. We decided to do it at your guys' gym, and I thought once I walked into the building, checked out the building and everything, I thought it was a good backdrop to do those interviews. Now, can you give us a little story behind that building? Because it definitely has some history. Yeah, so what I got out of it, there's kind of there's quite a few different stories that we've heard, um, but the main story being that um, there was a lady that was running, I want to say like a discount, you know, secondhand shop in there, um, and she had what I hear is she had set it on fire to try to collect insurance money and then learned that she didn't have even the proper insurance policy on it to collect that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the story. I think that was one of the last, the last thing it was before we bought it. Cause when we bought it, we, we did quite a bit of work to it. You know, how to redo all the floors, um, new ceilings, you know, we went through and kind of try to, uh, get all what we thought would be the toxic stuff out, you know, kind of, uh, sprayed off the walls and kind of, but while we can still leave that look, because we did like that look, we thought it really, uh, really matched with what we were going for, for kind of, you know, matching an old school gym with the new school stuff at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was a good blend. And so, yeah, that's what you see. You walk through, it's, you know, it's, it's a cool, and that's why uh, from the beginning, I, I thought it'd be a cool spot to do our interviews. I've shot a couple of different things there. Yeah. Um, like a music video when we were first doing the remodeling, just because the walls, they have so much character. We get mm-hmm. some spots, you know, that have some blue in it, some spots I got, it's just, it's a kind of a character of its own, so I thought it'd be really perfect for for a uh, for a backdrop. Mm-hmm. And I know I did post up some pictures uh, of the interview process and some other pictures as well, and you can go see yeah. those on the Bear Roof Paranormal Instagram page. But I will also post up those photos in the group page as well, so that way you guys can see what exactly he's talking about. Because the way that they did it, you know, they they did what they could do to get it back up to code, but they did leave some of the charred remains, and I think it gives it a lot of different character to that particular building. The energy of that building is also pretty spot on as well. I didn't really feel anything nefarious or anything like that inside that building, but the actual look, if you look at it from the outside, it doesn't really look much. It's just a storefront, you know, you can see the stuff that's on the inside, but once you walk through that threshold and you just soak in the surroundings, 
it definitely has some character and i personally i think you guys did a damn good job on redoing everything on the inside still keeping some of the charred remains and everything giving it that character that your guys' gym deserves yeah perfect thanks man i appreciate that and it's yeah. coloring really well too i uh like i said um as soon as we got done doing the interviews i actually got signed up for a I was finally able to get into a class for my real estate license and it go it's going right now as soon as i get off work till 10 o'clock so i'm putting in 16 hour days coming from work to here just to kind of mm -hmm. try to get get my licensing down but i i uh asked juan if he could kind of help me out kind of start coloring that so i can piece it together and he's been kind of um he's uh, we're gonna have him kind of cut it for me and kind of clean it up and send it my way but um i dropped some coloring on it and it's looking great with the lots and stuff that, that we put on it so it's uh, sweet looking pretty promising awesome now dan we're gonna start talking about the project itself now what were your thoughts on the first shoot that we did up in albion oh boy the albion normal school um albion idaho it's, it's uh, located um, in the southern Idaho area, but it's just at the base of the mountains. Um, and the history behind it is it was built oh, in, the, in the early 20s, 30s, 40s, somewhere in there. And a normal school is a school that, uh, where you got your teaching degree. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that was kind of its history. So it was a campus setting. It had... Uh, you know, you went up there and lived while you uh, went to college. So it had an auditorium. It had uh, men's dorms. It had women's dorms. It had gymnasium. Um, it had all of those facilities. And then over the years, as things do, it uh, quit being was funded, quit funded as a college, and then uh, changed ownerships throughout the years. But long story short, it basically fell into disrepair. Um, and then. Over the years, uh, while you know, I'm not sure who owned it. Like I said, it, it would switch hands, but as as it fell into disrepair, as people do, as kids do, they'd go up there on the weekend nights in the summers, and they would, you know, maybe. Of course, we're not advocating ever going into private property, but kids being kids, the rumor started that that place was haunted. So you would find, you know kids up there breaking in um, to the gymnasium and saying that it was haunted and doing things that they do um, and then and so I think in general the property really fell into disrepair you know the roofs probably started getting bad and like you said windows were broken into one uh, one building maybe the city of Albion owned it for a while and they contracted one building out and someone was uh manufacturing dog food or something there and then it caught on fire and burned to the ground mm. so so anyways if you fast forward to somewhere probably in the last 10 or 15 years a uh, couple out of boise uh heather and troy i, I want to say mortensen um they had owned some property in Boise and was doing haunted attractions and for whatever reason they found out that that campus was basically up for sale again from either the city or the county whoever owned it and uh, maybe they wanted to uh, raise their family in southern Idaho you know a little calmer a little more serene 
Um, and I could be getting the details wrong, but long story short, they bought it and decided to... They did two things with it. They turned it into a haunted attraction around Halloween time. Uh, they utilized about... Oh, I don't... You know, there's six or eight buildings up there, and they probably utilized half of them for their haunted attractions. The ones that were still in good shape, they turned one into a bed and breakfast, and it's it's really cool. People go up there in the summertime, and they book it and have family reunions and, and uh, do all the outdoor recreating. Um, another one that was still in good shape, they turned into a reception hall, and so they can do weddings and, and whatever there. But then the other ones that they turned into the haunted attraction, that's, that's kind of where, where I came in. Um, I was up there one year uh, doing the haunted walkthrough and uh, went through. There was two buildings in particular that really spoke to me. And buildings, um, I like what Shane says. You know, I'm about as uh, sensitive as a brick. But, <laughs> but if there is something uh, that lends me to the paranormal uh, it's it's buildings uh, they have a tendency to speak to me um, you were talking about fighters champ uh, storms building in Rupert like you said it has good bones mm -hmm. and um, you know if a building has a certain type of architecture or certain energy to it it just I go yeah yeah I could I could see us doing something here well the the auditorium was that type of building now at the time it was really in disrepair I think the roof was bad and so you know they had rain and snow coming in um, at one time it was just a phenomenal facility it had a really nice uh, theater uh, had a library but by the time they turned it into the haunted feature it was pretty run down um but it was kind of i said man if there was ever a building that would be perfect to shoot the first episode of death and metal or any episode i just thought i thought that was like the number one building for me uh i and i i didn't even think we'd have a chance to do it in fact before we got a chance to shoot it um ghost adventures got up there and mm -hmm. you know you got to hand it to ghost adventures production uh, people, they hunt out and find stuff that you think no one would know about. I mean, Albion, Idaho, small little town, southern Idaho, not on anyone's map. But they sought it out. They found it. They shot an episode. And, and I remember the day reading that in the paper, I was pissed. I was like, gosh, dang it. Someone beat us to it. Mm. Well, if you watch that episode, they really didn't use the auditorium. So that was a that was a plus. They they filmed some reenactment scenes of quote unquote satanic activity, and there's different stories behind that, and, and there's probably even some truth to them. But they like to play that up for the drama, and, and that's kind of their show's niche, and and whatever that's cool, you know, whatever puts eyeballs on the shows. But they really didn't use the auditorium at all. So yeah. I thought, well, maybe we can use it. Well, the first time I approached. Heather, uh, she kind of shot me down a little bit, and I, I kind of got the feeling, and a lot of it had to do, she wasn't happy with the experience that she'd had with Ghost Adventures. Which uh, I've heard from a lot of different people, the same exact thing you just said. So I'll tell you what she told me, um, 
and and that's just my version of it. She felt like they misrepresented themselves, that they came up and was just going to base it on haunted activity. And when the episode comes, they really focus it on, you know, the satanic, demonic. And she wasn't really happy with that. But one of the reasons is they have, like I said, besides the haunted attractions, they do the bed and breakfast and they do the wedding receptions and... You know, you have to look at your image in totality and going, maybe some people aren't happy coming up there if they think there's a lot of, you know, bad mojo and, and haunted activities and Satanism going on. So she wasn't happy with how they portrayed it on one hand. On the other hand, I think, you know, did her haunted attractions, you know, tenfold in business. So, well, it was and, the, it's kind of the same thing with the old uh, TB hospital up in Gooding. You know, they, they focused heavily on the negative things and then it ended up turning into one of those locations where people travel cross country to go check out. Yeah, yeah. So I you know, I, I think I think on the on the money side of it it turned out good. But so when I first contacted her, I think she was still just, you know, stinging a little bit about that. So she was kind of off. Well, whatever happened, uh, you know, that was probably in the fall and then I probably didn't get around to contacting her the next spring and uh, I just, I don't know, I just reached out to her again. Um, I, it was kind of funny. I had this book I had picked up. Uh, it was called uh, The Magic of Believing. And it was written in the uh, early 1920s. It's probably one of the first books on uh, manifesting, you know. I think everyone kind of uses, you know, besides whatever. There's probably books before it. But I, I just read it, and it just, you know, it just kind of resonated with me, you know. Maybe it was, you know, synchronicity, a lot of that. A lot of what I do, um, like with these projects with you guys, and that has to do with, the, you know, the esoteric or the paranormal. Synchronicity seems to find its way into most things. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was reading this book, and it was kind of on manifesting, and I said, you know, um... You know, and and actually, that's probably the same thing, you know. Um, it's funny, you know, when I reach out to Storm, when I reach out to you guys, when I reach out to Albion, I'm always full of, you know, doubt. It's not going to work. They'll think I'm crazy. They're going to shoot me down. So I'm kind of my own uh, worst, worst critic sometimes. I try not to listen to myself first thing in the morning. I go, ah, eh, you know. All the negative talk and I go, oh, let's get a little coffee and let's get things rolling first but uh, anyway so I picked I had this book on manifesting and I just said you know what I'm gonna call her and she's gonna say okay she's gonna agree to it mm -hmm. and she did nice and so I, just like that uh, she was receptive to it and I was like wow you know that that's a trip I can't mm -hmm. believe it worked but it worked she said, you know, I'm really not going to let any other paranormal investigators up there. But like you said, I'm, I'm a, a local person. Um, we run a business in town as well. And so, I mean, I think she just kind of knew that I wasn't going to uh, disrespect it. was going to take care of her investment. And she went for it. So we got to shoot the first one at the... Uh, at the Haunted Auditorium. And just a backdrop to that, I'll tell you that probably the other thing that made me really want to do it in the auditorium was um, a good friend of mine that I'd moved to uh, uh, Hollywood, Los Angeles with. Um, 
his name's Jason Weber. Um, I call him Webb. We all called him Webb when we were friends growing up. His wife calls him Jay, whatever. Him and his, uh, he had met a new wife. They were newly engaged. Uh, they were living in Venice Beach at the time, right on the boardwalk, this really cool apartment. And they come up to visit. He still had some family in the area. And he took uh, his uh, fiance up to the uh, auditorium uh, telling her about, like I was talking about, you know, when we were kids, we used to go up there and, you know, go through those places late at night. Well, the owners, I think, I think it was, um, I think it was Heather and her husband, or maybe one of their kids or someone that was working there was just nice enough to take him into the, uh, auditorium. And she got up on stage and, uh, you know, she had a little bit of dancing, gym background, whatever. And she was doing some dance routines and she said, all of a sudden, and I'll never forget because they came down from out. I mean, it's about a 20 minute ride from Burley where we live here. And they were just all jacked up. They were just buzzing a hundred miles an hour. And they were like, man, you wouldn't believe it. We just went up to the auditorium and you wouldn't believe what happened. While she was doing these pirouettes on stage, all of a sudden, these lights, little balls of lights, orbs, not dust balls, you know, cause there's the big controversy on whether orbs, you know, or, or uh, when they're caught on film, mm -hmm. but these, Balls of energy, little green balls, came and started dancing around her as she was doing it. Something just picked up on their energy, was glad that someone was there performing, and reacted to it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was the perfect you know, backdrop for death and metal. You know? Can we get back on that stage in the auditorium? Can we do a performance? And what will happen? So, Dan, can you paint a picture of what the auditorium looks like as it sits when we filmed there? So you have to imagine during its prime, it's a beautiful auditorium, has a nice stage that has, you know, probably will seat two or three hundred people, has the normal auditorium settings where you have the seating that goes down to the stage and then up above would be a mixing room and maybe some upper seating. Now you fast forward to a building that's in decline. This building is uh, not living, it's more like dying. The roof is bad, it's raining, so water comes in. Um, there's mold, the stage has holes in it. Um, when you have holes in your windows and your roof, you have pigeons, mm -hmm. you have mice, you have rats. But they use it as a haunted auditorium. So they kind of go with the rundown look and they set up all of these scary, creepy skulls and animatronic mad scientists and Frankensteins and demons. Well, during the off season, they just leave everything set up and there. So when we go to shoot, all of that is sitting everywhere you look in this building and every time you turn around there's a demon or there's a skull or there's a you know a monster and it is just dark and creepy there's a little natural light that comes through the windows that aren't boarded up we use minimal lighting and storm can talk more to that but it is uh it is haunted looking for sure it looks mm -hmm. like at any moment you know, uh, uh, a devil might raise up from the floor and, and, and take your soul. Yeah. 
And the architecture of that particular building is pretty sound. I mean, back in the day, they used to build them to last. And there's these little nooks, these little cranny, uh, crannies, the passageways. There was the passageway that went underneath the the stage and came out the other side. There was a hole upstairs where they had a kitchen and potentially a library and, you know, all that good jazz. So, I mean, there's... There's a lot of different areas that we filmed uh, during that whole entire shoot. Now, when we did uh, the filming, you know, Dan would do, Dan and the band would do a set. During that set, we'd be doing, you know, a little mini investigation around them, you know, just kind of picking up on the energy. And we've actually got pretty good results on that. And I can't wait to show you guys uh, once everything is edited and we release it out to everybody. And then after the shoot, after the set, we would go and do a mini investigation between each sets. So if I remember correctly, we did like three or four uh, music sets there, and then we did three or four mini investigation uh, there as well. And we actually caught quite a bit of evidence. We definitely had some hair-raising moments. We kind of left David in the dust. Sorry, David. Um, yeah. Thanks, now, bud. Storm. What was your thoughts on the first shoot, the investigation, the whole entire process, the lighting, like Dan said? You know, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, so uh, me and Dan went, what, what was it, Dan, a month before we shot and met with Heather? Yeah. Yeah, we went scouted probably a month before. Um, and, and like everybody around here, you know, I'd been, I'd been through the haunted attraction and I knew the general setup of, you know, the the front of the auditorium and even in the basement and but that upstairs area that she gave us access to was an area that had never been used for the haunted attraction um and that was the old teacher's lounge uh slash library and um it was just awesome i mean the the natural light that came in i mean we started shooting a little later when when it, the sun was going down but mm -hmm. the natural light that comes into that building during the day you know just through the cracks of the windows and through the you know the beams of light that come in just give it a really really beautiful feeling to it you know it's it's falling around apart around you but it's just it's still got such a, a timeless elegance to it which is mm -hmm. really awesome uh, but that first shoot was i mean that was it was that was about as good as a first shoot could go really in my opinion i think it was uh, other than the last shoot, you know, some of the last stuff that happened in uh, Leslie's family tree. Um, yeah, we'll, I think that we'll get to that. The uh, the last, the first shoot was really, that's the one I talked to probably, or I talk about the most. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, and given because it's obviously, it's a local thing. So mm -hmm. there's a lot, you know, people that I talk to around here, it obviously resonates a little better with them. Um, yeah. But it went great. I mean, it was, it was kind of a consistent, you know, um, and then ultimately at the climax of it, you know, it was, I think, pretty exciting for all of us. So mm -hmm. I think it, it went great. You know, it looked good. Um, it was our first shoot. We had a couple cameras going and I think we got some, some cool footage. Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, I don't think it could have gone any better as far as uh, what, what happened. Yeah. Now, I know you're not really versed in the paranormal or anything like that. But when you walked into the auditorium or auditorium at Albion, what was your initial feelings of the particular building? Did you feel anything? Did you feel scared? What were your personal thoughts on the building itself? Um, I mean, I didn't like. I'm not, you know, I'm not a. I don't consider myself someone super sensitive to to the paranormal. But you do, you know, there's there's places like that where you come in and 
you know, and I can't really speak to whether it's like mostly your mind thinking like, oh, this is kind of a sketchy place. So, but you do feel something, you know, mm -hmm. you come in and you kind of, and it, it's never been, obviously it's never been anything I'm really opposed to, or I probably wouldn't be working on a show like this, but mm -hmm. I just haven't really ever considered myself um, truly sensitive. I do have uh, a couple things that have happened when I was younger, as far as like seeing ghosts and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, you definitely, you walk in and I remember when we went to scout it, um, we took my girlfriend and it was just, I think it was just us three, me and Dan, we just left the wedding and went and met Dan and um, her and Dan actually have mutual friends, you know, um, that, that are, that's a medium. And so they were kind of talking about stuff like that, you know, they're, they're both definitely more sensitive than I am to it, but it, 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 it does just have a a vibe and an aura to it that you can tell it's got an energy that's not like most buildings. Mm -hmm. I know personally I've heard of Albion before even Ghost Adventures filmed there because I heard about the actual haunted attraction there and we've actually thought about going and doing it for quite a few years and then we heard Ghost Adventures went there and then you know quite a few years passed after that and then that's when Dan approached me about it and during that filming was the first time myself and I'd David, was that your first time being there as well? Yes, absolutely, my first time. Yeah, and it's definitely a beautiful location. It's out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's it's nothing that you would expect on the East Coast or in California or anything like that, but here, you know, it's not uncommon to drive, you know, hours to go to a location that's in the middle of nowhere, a.k.a. Albion. Now, David, what were your thoughts on the location, the filming process, and the whole nine yards? Yeah, so at the beginning, when we showed up, because you know, it was a new place, so we walked around a bit, and I mean, it's a massive place for even what we just filmed in one building. They had like two to three separate buildings, and then this one big main building where I'm pretty sure it's like their lodging area. And then, you know, we went down there, and there were people there. They had even like a buffet-style potluck thing that was going on there so that was cool like they had like community members there and stuff like that and just this whole thing it was really cool to see the environment the trees and stuff because like it feels like it's surrounded by like mountains because you had to like drive up it's almost like on a hill where it's built and stuff so it, it definitely felt like a surreal place mm -hmm. you know because if you think about it a surrounding area there's really not anything around it for a, a while mm -hmm. so it's just sitting there by itself you know definitely a lot more abilities to shoot tons of stuff there for many different things you know cinema wise mm -hmm. so it definitely has all that going for it but then when we showed up first walked into this very dark place go in there you know not much lighting and then you know seeing the props and go oh that's cool there's a big ass werewolf with blood dripping off of it uh where are these guys that we're meeting because i really haven't met Stormy and, and the whole filming crew. Mm -hmm. I just met Dan, and so I'm just trying to weed through this dark little maze <laughs> looking for these people I've never met before. I'm like, man, this is going to be very bad if they try to murder me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and then I see this little computer screen, and you got like four guys huddled, and I'm like, oh, this must be it. Uh, and then just seeing the big stage lift up, and mm -hmm. you know, they're setting up all their, their instruments and stuff, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. Let's go get our stuff, bring it up there. Very mildewy smell, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mixture between pigeon shit and mildew, definitely. Yeah, so that, that was that was nice. Little caveat on that. Um, 
nothing like oh, yeah. we're not like we're used to it or anything. We've been to some very True. very dire buildings in the past. The Hantavirus. Yeah, definitely was a present there. Um, but we we kind of went into it without really any game plan. Honestly, we I think how we do most of our stuff. In case anyone has ever noticed, especially Dan and Stormy, we kind of wing the shit out of everything we do. Mm-hmm. And so far, it's I think it's worked. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we we really just went in there. I was like, well, they do a set. We'll just kind of be around in the background with our stuff. And then after they do a set, let's just go around and see what's what. And that's kind of the format to really anything paranormal. Obviously, when you get those big production shows, they do have an actual set script, things they do and read and stuff. But we honestly just kind of just shoot from the hip and just see what we get. Because in the paranormal, nothing's on cue, mm-hmm. you know. And that's the other thing, because when we filmed with other people before, I definitely wanted to make sure that Storm and his guys knew that when we're filming this time, it's definitely going to be guerrilla style. Because I don't know how they're used to filming, but most people, when they film, they're used to knowing where they need to be. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the paranormal, you definitely have to like just be ready to swivel, you know, because it's so much fast-paced movement. And sometimes it's just sitting still and standing there waiting for something to happen. But then when it happens, you got to be sniper on it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a, a weird style to shoot in the paranormal, you know. Well, and I think that makes it even funner because you're not following a script. You're not having to read this uh, little saying on a paper or anything like that. We're literally, you know, shooting from the hip on this. So anything could happen, especially when it comes to the paranormal. So I, I personally think it's a lot funner doing it that way. I think it keeps you more on your toes. Yeah, oh, yeah I it can keeps add it interesting. to that too. I think that was that was definitely why I wanted to take like almost that you know that blog style. You just got a handheld camera, you you know, approach mm-hmm. to it because you do see that far too often in these paranormal shows. Is you can tell that it's scripted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's down to like the corny the corny shit that some of these guys say. You're like, wow, like I know you went into that situation knowing you're gonna say that, mm-hmm. and it's that it's something that's kind of refreshing with with even being part of these shoots. Is it's like we don't know what's going to happen. Like you're getting true reactions. There's some, you know, there's some spots that some sets that we do that were kind of disappointing and you get to see that even that disappointment, like we're not chopping anything up to be something. It's not like yeah. there's times that we're like, Oh yeah, we really didn't get shit that time. And mm-hmm. you're kind of seeing it on the face of everybody in the crew. Like, well, that happens. Yeah. And I think that's, that's part of the rawness of it is I think that's what makes it even better. Like when we do get something that does happen is we're like, Oh shit. Like, we obviously know that this doesn't happen every time mm-hmm. and this is something. And I think that's, that kind of adds to what, what makes it different. Yeah. And the, the, really the only thing that can be scripted if you go over like the history of the building or anything like that, but outside of that, it can't be scripted. I mean, you, you literally got to fly by the seat of your pants when it comes to this kind of stuff. Plus yeah. it just makes it that much funner. I mean, I would rather do a shoot like that than do a shoot that's, fully scripted because I just don't feel like it really shows the talent or the rawness of it to be honest yeah well then what helps too is if all it's fails that we don't get nothing paranormal wise at least you got to listen to some cool music mm-hmm. it's probably the reason the uh, uh, the bunch of us work well together uh, I am definitely a fly by the seat of my ass type of guy and I hadn't really thought about it before but uh, the fact that uh, uh, Shane and David uh, are just roll with it guys, and, and I know Storm is too. None of us are detail where everything has to be 
uh, thought of ahead of time and answered and written out and analyzed. We, from start to finish, this was, let's just kind of wing it and see what happens. And yeah, for me, that always works out good. It's uh, more organic that way. Yeah. And with me, you know, I'm more of a, a punctual, you know, type got to have it on the schedule you know so like the nitty-gritty details you know like the location what date time and stuff like that i'm pretty like on with that but for the whole entire filming it was you know we all flew by the seat of our pants so i definitely adapted to it and quite frankly you know before we started doing filming with you guys we've already done previous filming before and then we've done other filmings after you know doing stuff with with you guys and it's it seems to be the same thing you know with every single filming project that we've done with other people you know the the details of it the before and after you know it's got to be written on paper and everything but the actual physical investigation part and the filming and everything it's always been a a fly by the seat of the pants and like i said before it makes it just that much funner you know you actually want to do it and you have energy to do it because you never know what's going to happen around that corner or if that door is going to shut or you know stuff like that it's never scripted sorry to cut this off short but we are going to have to conclude this part of the episode david and i have decided to cut this into a part one and part two instead of making you guys sit through over two hours of awesome content so while We split this in half. What we plan on doing is we'll upload this episode where you're already listening to it now. And next Monday will be part two. And then from there, it will go back to its regularly scheduled programming of posting every other Monday. Now, David, did you have any final thoughts about us talking about Albion and kind of diving deep into... Storm and Dan with their experiences, their hobbies and stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot more, I think, talking to them like this. We definitely could probably go on for a lot longer than even the second one if we just keep talking about random stuff. So, I mean, definitely love talking to these guys for sure. But, uh, no, I'm looking forward to the next episode. I think it was a good idea splitting it up in, into two, honestly. Um, just get, get get more episodes out there that way because I mean people could sit through a too long thing but I'm, I think it'll be good splitting it up for sure yeah I liked everything that we talked about so far and continue to keep talking with these guys oh yeah most definitely it, it's definitely a jam packed episode it's just there's a lot of stuff that we cover and we talk about in those two hours so it's better to split this up and so that way you guys get a little bit more content out of this as well so we thank you so much for tuning into us and you guys have a great rest of your day bye-bye you are listening to the bear river paranormal podcast brp podcast if you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting please send us an email text or call You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook, 
at brppodcast. If you're interested in sponsoring us, or if you like your products featured on the show, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day.